And welcome back to the Press Box here on ESPN Central Texas. 21 minutes past the hour of noon on this Football Friday. And joining us on this Football Friday from the Cowboys Network, Mr. Kyle Yeomans. Kyle, how are we? I'm doing great, Ward. How are you? Outstanding. It's game day, so uh, that's always fun. I know you're in the same boat, so kind of gets a little extra pep in our step, doesn't it? No doubt about it. Who uh, who does Temple have tonight? Who they got on the docket? College Station coming up tonight Ooh, at Wildcat Cougars. Stadium. Yes, should be a That'll good be matchup. A fun one. Yeah, College Station. Uh, they're they've been playing some Metroplex opponents recently. I've seen them on the schedule a couple different times. Yeah, they played Lovejoy yeah. week before last. Uh, a a yeah. good team. So yeah, very much so. They've been up there, and of course they've been to AT and T Stadium recently, playing for a state championship. <laughs> so should be fun tonight. Who do you have tonight? I've got two undefeateds, actually. I have Oklahoma quarterback commit Michael Hawkins and Emerson as the Mavericks take on Panther Creek, uh, 2-0 and team. And they've got a baseball commit at quarterback. But, man, he might be uh, getting some football looks as well pretty soon because he has, I think, already 13 touchdowns and just one interception through the first two weeks of the year. So, uh, yeah, we've got a fun one. Two really good new programs. They're both in Frisco ISD, so – Emerson and Panther Creek and high school football is in full swing. I feel like we're already getting into district play. We're already kind of mm-hmm. starting to, to look ahead to the playoff picture and what it could shape up to be like. So fun times, no doubt about it. Yeah, we got to hang on because we blink and we're already at AT&T Stadium. <laughs> it's, it just wait all year long and then all of a sudden it just yeah. flies by. Cowboys get game number one coming up. And Kyle, I want to ask you a little bit of, I don't know that it's controversy. I don't know that it's something to even really talk about but it made some waves yesterday with Dak Prescott going under sedation for 11 hours to get a full leg tattoo nobody knew anything about it but is that really that big a deal no not at all I didn't think so I think it's really yeah I don't really think that's even if anything that just means he was rested right (laughs) yeah I wish somebody put me to sleep for 11 hours yeah honestly I feel like that would be a, a, a end all be all end all solved to a lot of our problems if everybody just shut down for 11 hours i think it'd be great uh no i don't think that's really a big deal at all and honestly it meant a lot to him and a lot to his family he got a matching tattoo also uh with his uh with his older brother tad and of course uh after the passing of their their older brother jace and uh their mom back whenever dak was in college i mean they've been through a lot as a family so uh, at this point in the process, if it's a tattoo, it's a tattoo. Let's not get too twisted about it. I've heard kind of the same things that you were referencing, but don't think it's a big deal whatsoever. It's never going to affect how he plays on the field. Uh, and if it means a lot to him, then then more power to him at that point as well. Just go and do what makes you happy. And he's earned the, the, the thought process of, of being in a, in a good spot because of how much he's gone through uh, as an individual and as a family in his position. Kyle Yeoman's with us in the press box on this football Friday. And, Kyle, when you look at the preseason for the Dallas Cowboys, what was the best thing you saw from this team? I think it was the emergence of the passing game and some of the things, or really even the the offense and the skill players as well. Because you look at Rico Dowdle and Deuce Vaughn, they both made the team based off of their performances in the preseason games. And, and they are going to be a, a key member, key contribution from both sides uh, in, in special teams and on offense behind Tony Pollard. So that's certainly something. And then Jalen Tolbert, 
doing what he did as wide receiver four and, and earning that spot, I, I think, is something that you can really point to and say, hey, this is good uh, for this, this team and something they needed to happen. I think on the other side of it, something that didn't happen was you didn't see anybody really step up on the offensive line. I mean, Josh Ball and Matt Willetko and, and uh, even Matt Farniak. I mean, none of those guys really, really materialized up front. So you, your skill players had some impact and your skill players made their, their waves in the preseason, but you're still kind of looking for that offensive line up front to, to solidify and find some confidence there. Speaking of the offense, this Texas Coast offense that we've seen glimpses of in the preseason, make no mistake about it, we haven't seen any depth of this offense in the preseason. What do you expect to unfold Sunday night? I, I expect an emphasis on the time of possession. This is a team that wants to move the chains. They want to be methodical. I mean, you're going to look up in the middle of the game, and you're going to say, okay, they went 15 plays for 72 yards and they find a way to take eight and a half minutes off the clock, but they scored and they lead it by two touchdowns now. So that that would be a perfect scenario because, one, not only does it keep the defense on their toes and they start creeping up, creeping up, and then you try it over the top of the guy like Brandon Cooks or C.D. Lamb, uh, but you also can, can flip the script on defense yourself and you're well-rested. I mean, what could be more scary than a Dan Quinn – led defense with Micah Parsons fully rested, Trayvon Diggs fully rested, Stephon Gilmore fully rested, you get the point. If those guys are fresh and they're able to really pin their ears back and get after the the football and get after the opposing offense, then I think all of a sudden you're talking about one of the better defenses and better units and, and not only the National Football League in 2023, but maybe of all time if they're able to really put those numbers up. So the offense can really help out that elite-level defense by just taking up time of possession and, and trying to move the chains. Well, the other thing they can do, they can close out games because of the fact sure. that the offense has just worn the defense down late in the fourth yeah. quarter. Yeah, think about this. Like you, You're able to put together a drive like that in the third quarter, and you're leading by two scores. Your defense comes out, forces a turnover. You get the ball back at the start of the fourth, and you put together another eight- or nine-minute drive, and you're able to really take time off the clock. Then you're up by three scores. And all of a sudden, the other team's looking up, and there's only three or four minutes left on the clock at the end of the football game. So it really could turn into an advantage. If they're able to, to control time of possession, then that's, that's the case. And that's what the West Coast offense and the Texas Coast offense is predicated on. It's, it's short slants and, uh, and, and levels to this offense of allowing these receivers to get, get garner separation and uh, get into the second level and the third level of the defense. That's when they're most successful. Is this a better fit for Dak Prescott? I think it is. And not only because of the reads and the pre-snap reads, uh, I think it's a better fit because it matches the personnel around him. Uh, C.D. Lamb is an inside-outside guy. Brandon Cooks is an inside-outside guy. Uh, you can put those guys in the slot or on the outside, and then all of a sudden the defense doesn't know where they're going. They could be running a slant or they could be running a go. I, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Uh, where you put them, it keeps the defense and an opponent uh, guessing. And, and that makes a pre-snap read easier on Dak Prescott because in, instead of getting up to the line of scrimmage and pre-diagnosing whether or not it's cover two or cover three or they're disguising coverage from the safeties, he can step up and say, okay, Brandon Cooks is going to be open on this play because I see outside leverage from the nickelback 
and he's going to run a slant to the inside, and I'm just going to have to put it on the numbers. That is so much easier from a quarterback standpoint. I'm sure you realize that, too, as a coach, Ward, is if you can simplify things for your quarterback, then all of a sudden it simplifies things all the way through for your football team and your organization as a whole, and I think that's what they did with Dak. Speaking of Brandon Cooks, how much does he help this offense and more or less really help C.D. Lamb take that next step to be a dominant receiver? Well, think about it this way. C.D. Lamb has really only had one full season with Dak Prescott, and that was 2021. And, of course, Dak Prescott was an MVP candidate prior to a quick calf injury against the Patriots. He missed the one game against the Vikings. Then he came back, and he was never really completely healthy and mobile at the quarterback position. That was the only year, Ward, where C.D. Lamb had an entire healthy Dak Prescott as his quarterback where Brandon Cooks has bounced around that he could be the first NFL player, NFL receiver in history to have a thousand yards receiving with five different franchises. And, and so it's two completely different schools of thought. It's, but it's also very similar at the same time, same, same organization for CD lamb, different quarterbacks, mm-hmm. different organizations, different quarterbacks for Brandon Cooks. So you think about the, the impact that Cooks could have, Really throughout the off season, it's already laid the groundwork for the for the rest of the regular season. Is now he can teach Ceedee Lamb the tricks of the trade to where it doesn't matter who's at quarterback, he's still going to be successful. And then with Brandon Cook specifically, he's helped some of these younger guys just come along, like a Cavante Turpin and a Jalen Tolbert, with the veteran ability that he has to say, "Hey, here's what you're doing right, here's what you're doing wrong," and then he's able to do that on Sundays as well by either going underneath taking the possession catches or going over the top and being a deep threat. I really like the balance that he brings to this offense. And that's what Brandon Cooks brings is that mentality, the teaching ability for guys like Lamb, Tolbert and Turpin. And then also just the the versatility of being an inside guy, outside guy, deep threat or a possession receiver. It just, he's the chameleon of the Cowboys offense. And I'm excited to see how he's utilized. Oh, the other side of the ball. What, what is the most exciting thing about this defense I'm going to take Micah Parsons away from you because that's the obvious answer. (laughs) So what's the most exciting thing about this defense to you? Well, I think it's it's similar to what we just talked about with C.D. Lamb and Brandon Cooks. I think it's the possibility for growth for Trayvon Diggs with Stephon Gilmore on the opposite side. Mm -hmm. Trayvon Diggs, as a second-round pick in 2020, was thrust into a spot where he had to be the number one corner. Had to be. And he still is, don't get me wrong, but now he, he, does his, he, he has an opportunity to rely on a number two with Stephon Gilmore. And Gilmore's plenty happy being the number two corner in Dallas where he's really been the number one guy anywhere else he's been in his career. So I'm excited to see how Gilmore can set up, set up uh, Trayvon Diggs for success because Diggs as a player has always had the interceptions. He's led the NFL in interceptions with 14 and pass defended, passes defended with 35 since the start of the 2021 season. So he's been plenty effective. But now where do guys as quarterbacks and offenses, where do they go with the football? Because if you're looking away from Trayvon Diggs, you're looking right at Deron Bland, who had five interceptions last year. Stephon Gilmore, who, of course, is one defensive player of the year in the past. I mean, there, there's possibilities, just like the possibilities on offense, this defense is ready to roll. And I think it's that secondary that I'm excited to watch. How much does Leighton Vanderis take that next step as as one of the f- 
floor generals of this defense, and does he have to? I would argue he took a big step last year just by remaining healthy throughout the entirety of a, a sure. full season. And you could see the confidence grow with Leighton in doing so. I think the way he adds to, to his uh, arsenal is by adding some pass rush ability because he's, he's plenty good when it comes to reads, hitting holes, making tackles. He's been phenomenal whenever he's healthy and he's good. He's a starter out there and the, the one calling the shots on defense for a reason. Uh, but I think there's there's a chance you're going to see him rushing off the edge. There's going to be chances where he's going to put a hand in the ground and, and really try and confuse defenses to let Micah Parsons either get back to the second level, put him at the nose tackle spot, even a couple zero technique where he just head rushes the, the center and, and then all of a sudden you're, as an offense, you have nowhere to adjust. So uh, I think that's where he's going to bring an added element to this defense is doing exactly what he did in 2022 but just a couple little sprinkles of Dan Quinn magic to try and let Leighton Vanderesh uh, take that next step. When you look at Micah Parsons, and I told you I'd take him away from you as the, the most <laughs> anticipated thing, but I want to talk about him because of the fact that I've seen a couple of places that they're talking about you know, the possibility of him even moving back into a linebacker position and yeah. playing rush. It, it, is that something that you can foresee happening at some point? Yeah, I mean, he played 74% of his snaps as uh, a pass rusher last year. So, for the most part, he will be on the line of scrimmage and he's going to try and get after the quarterback however he sees fit. Uh, but with those 26 ex extra percent percentage points, I, I think he does drop back. He does go back into coverage. And he does some of the little things that, let's say, uh, a Demarcus Lawrence or a Dorrance Armstrong have done at that edge rusher spot where they will drop him back. He'll have to take some steps and really rotate with the tight end, rotate with a running back out of the flat. There are a couple ways they can put him in, in spots to be successful. But uh, I think it, it goes back to, to what I said about Leighton Vander Esch. Part of Micah's draw, part of Micah's skill set is just how versatile he is, and it keeps offenses off balance. And if they can continue to do that, I think Dan Quinn's going to take every chance he can to, to – confuse the guys on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Don't you think they'll probably use him like a hawk in or a walk-off in where he can do those sure. coverage things and then also drop back into coverage, but still from that hawk in position if the play's away, you trail the play and, and can still make the play from there. He's that versatile, yeah. right? Yeah, he did it a couple times last year. I mean, everybody saw what the Lions did last night against the Chiefs and, and getting that win at Arrowhead, but it, it – takes me back to one of the plays against the Lions last year that the Cowboys had. They had a tight end go to the opposite side of the formation in the flat in the red zone, and he was streaking toward the pylon. Micah comes from the opposite rush in and finishes the play, actually forces a fumble out of bounds that ended up being a touchback. Uh, one of the most miraculous plays I've ever seen from uh, an edge rusher, linebacker, whatever you want to call him. He's just a, a defender. He's a football player. And so, yeah, I think you're going to see him in multiple spots, whether it's out at wide nine, at the zero technique at times, just on, in certain packages, or even drop him back to the second level and let him cover a little bit. He is that versatile. He's that athletic. And I think Cowboys fans are lucky to have number 11 on their defense. And I, I expect him to take a big step this year and, and really solidifying just how good of a defender he is in the, the professional ranks. Can he be the MVP? MVP would be a long way because that's really turned into a quarterback award. Well, a but if he, defensive MVP. 
Yeah, if he could be, he could certainly be defensive player of the year. Okay. I would not be shocked if we're talking at the end of the NFL honors and we look up and, and he's the one receiving that defensive player of the year award. Honestly, I don't think MVP is really out of the conversation either. If he has just a nuts year, he just, he comes out, he's got 20 sacks. He's fourth an X amount of number of fumbles. He's, he's returned one for a touchdown or two for a touchdown. I don't think you could necessarily mix the MVP conversation, but just what this league has been, it's turned into a quarterback. That's league. a quarterback it, award. That, yeah. Yeah. At least at this point. So it, it would have to take, uh, a bit of uh, maybe maybe confusion at the quarterback spot, I and mean, he would just have to be extra dominant. But I think he's that good. I think he could get at least in that conversation if he has a phenomenal year. Kyle Yeomans with the Cowboys Network with us here in the press box on ESPN Central Texas. And Kyle, Cavante Turpin, what are you expecting from him? I, I want to see this be his breakout year because he's going to be more comfortable. He's a pro bowler last year. Yeah, it, this might be an opportunity to see some big plays because he's certainly capable of it, isn't he? Yeah, and he's going to have every chance. I mean, he'll of course still have the punt and kick return duties, and he was so close last year to mm-hmm. breaking the touchdown in the regular season, like he did in the preseason. But I, I think you're going to ex- expect a lot of that. But I, I think he gets more snaps on offense too. Do you? And he didn't really get a ton. He didn't get a ton of reps, a, a ton of run last year with the offense. Uh, mostly because I think there was some some confusion on on personnel and where they really trusted guys, and I think there's more trust with the system in place and with him being in the fold for an entire year now. I think he he could certainly see some more snaps in this West Coast Coast offense, and I think he fits the mold as a receiver that could have some success in it too. What does the Joe Burrow contract do for Dak Prescott? Uh, it doesn't do a whole lot right now. Uh, if anything, it does something for the front office to say, hey, maybe we should look at an extension for Dak at the moment while we have a little bit of leverage by trading for C- for Trey Lance. Uh, we, we maybe look to extend Dak at a, a cheaper margin than the $55 million a year that, that Joe Burrow just locked up. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if Dak goes out and has a phenomenal year, and he's in the MVP conversation with that quarterback award that <laughs> we just talked about. Yeah, you can forget then, that. Yeah, then all of a sudden, I think that's when it comes into play. He hasn't necessarily had the the year to say, I'm at Joe Burrow level, I'm at Patrick Mahomes level. But if he has a year where he is at least considered to be in that mix and he's able to lead this team to where they haven't been in quite some time, which is a conference championship game or a Super Bowl, then all of a sudden I think you're talking about one of the biggest contracts in sports history. Is the scariest position for you on the field right now at kicker? No, it's offensive line. It's there you go. Not even close. Yeah, I, I actually trust Brandon Aubrey right now. I really do. I like what we've seen from him. He's had pressure on him since he got in the building. So just as much as you can say, oh, these are preseason games, there's no pressure in preseason games, that is incorrect, especially for a guy like Brandon Aubrey who's fighting for his chance to mm-hmm. be on the roster. There mm-hmm. was plenty of pressure on every kick, not only in the games, but even in practice too. And so I, I trust him. To, to have some success and, and hopefully now that he's kind of settled in and, and at least he's chosen to be the guy, I have more possibilities with him up front. It's really Tyron Smith and Tyler Smith being banged up on the offensive line. That has me, uh, has me scared to death. I, at least based off of Mike McCarthy's words this morning, it looks like Tyron should be good to go uh, at left tackle going into to week one. But if he's not by some chance after suffering the ankle injury yesterday mm-hmm. and then Tyler Smith is unable to get back to practice tomorrow. 
then all of a sudden you're talking about Chuma Adoga and TJ Bass as your starting offensive lineman Oof. up against that really stout Giants front. So I think my biggest question is the offensive line. And like I said, it's not particularly close. Your prediction for Sunday night? Give me the Cowboys offensive line woes or not to win it. 27-13 final from MetLife. All right. Very nice. Kyle Yeomans with the Cowboy Network. Hey, Kyle, have a great call tonight. I appreciate your time as always, and we'll catch up next week, man. All right, Ward. You too. Have fun, and we'll talk to you again soon. There he goes, Kyle Yeomans, Cowboys Network. That's a good good pick, taking the Cowboys. I, someone asked me yesterday, we were talking about it on the Matt Mosley show, mm-hmm. and I think I said that I, I, I'm I – I'm not worried, which means I'm probably not worried enough, but I said I thought 31-13. I think they're just going to feast on Daniel Jones. He can run, but I don't think he can outrun the Cowboys' defense. They've got Barkley and they've got Waller, who are both pro bowlers, but they they have nothing at receiver. They have a bunch of average to below average guys mm-hmm. at receiver, and that just doesn't cut it in the modern NFL. No, I- Unless you have – well, actually, nice. last night it didn't even cut it with Patrick Mahomes. And that's Daniel the, Jones. And that's the best player in the NFL. Absolutely. Daniel Jones is certainly no Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, he is not. All right. Thanks again to Kyle Yeomans joining us here in the press box on ESPN Central Texas. Stay right there. More football coming up on this Football Friday on ESPN Central Texas.